Here's what's ahead of us on Grow in Grace. You see, God uses us even when we're brand new Christians. Over and over again, as I've watched people get saved and then bring others, and they'll tell them about who Jesus is, and they won't get it perfect, but it doesn't have to be perfect. Just come and see, and then Jesus corrects our theology, and pretty soon we, we see where all the rough edges are, and God begins to smooth us. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. Have you ever been so excited about something that you couldn't wait to tell your friends about it? Maybe it was so huge that words weren't enough and you ended up leading them there so they could see for themselves. That's sort of the picture we receive in John chapter 1. Philip was touched by God and the first thing he wanted to do is tell his friends. Pastor Ed Ray will suggest that this is the sort of witness we're to be. We're finishing up John chapter 1 today on Growing Grace. Answers that Andrew and John and these other men bring are different than your answer. What is it that you're seeking? He's asking. And, and they kind of are overwhelmed by it. At least it seems to me their answer was another question. Where are you staying, Master? Where are you staying? He asks you, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? But I think that they're saying, where are you going? We want to go with you. Because following becomes part of their discussion. Verse 39, Jesus said to them, come and see. And they came and they saw where he was staying and remained there with him that day. Now, that may not seem important to you, but for Bible scholars, that last phrase, remained with him that day, answer some questions with the other disciples. Because we'll find that Jesus walks up to John and his brother James with their dad, their commercial fishermen, and days later, and he walks up and says, follow me. And they leave the boat, leave dad in the boat, leave the business. Well, that's because they spent this day with him. They know what he's about by now. And then even stranger. Now, it was about the 10th hour. Why is that important? Now, this is Roman timekeeping. It starts from sunup, like six in the morning. So it's about four in the afternoon. But the writer of this, remember, is also called John. And John is saying, that's the moment that I met Jesus. That's when I got saved at four o'clock in the afternoon. I already said, there's a lot of folks that don't know the day or the hour or even the year that they were saved. That's not critical. What's critical is that you know, that you have believed and you know that you know that you know Jesus died for you. If you believe that, embrace it. That's it. That's all that it requires. It is by grace you have been saved. God's gift to all of us. Come and see, verse 40. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. 
So there's two men there with John the Baptist. Two of them follow Jesus. Jesus turns and says, what are you seeking? One of them is Andrew. Andrew, who is a fisherman brother of Peter, who would both later become apostles. Notice John does not tell us who the other disciple is. And that's because it's John himself. And he never mentions his own name in his gospel. He says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's who he often refers to himself as. Do you know that about yourself? Do you realize that you are a disciple of Jesus whom he loves? Well, uh, Pastor, God loves the whole world. No, no. He loves you personally. Yeah. With all your little quirky habits, your weird way of saying things. I don't think they're weird. I just, well, some maybe. <laughs> the disciple whom Jesus loved is you. He loves the whole. That's a big thought, right? So, when Andrew found Jesus, verse 41, he first found his own brother, Simon. He went looking for the person that was closest to him, his own brother in the Lord. And he said, we found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. John keeps saying which is translated because John is writing this much after, years, 70 years after Jesus died. The other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the synoptic gospels because they say basically the same thing, the birth and death and burial of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. But John waited until he was 90 years old to write his gospel. He's had a lot of time to think about and the things that were really important to him are rising to the top. And he's writing in a city called Ephesus. We know that name because of the book of the Ephesians. But if you go with us on the Footsteps of Paul tour, which you all should, we go to the city of Ephesus and we walk the streets where Paul walked, where John walked, where John lived. And we actually go to the uh, site of John's tomb, at least traditional site of John the Apostle. And it's very close to the house where Mary lived because you'll remember Jesus told John to take care of his mother. And they went to Ephesus. So Ephesus is a Roman city, a Greco-Roman, Greek and Roman city. And he's writing to Greeks. And so he has to translate this. When he says, we found the Messiah. What's the Messiah? If you're a Greek, you don't know. The Jewish word is Mashiach, and it, all Jews know what that is, but they didn't in Ephesus, so he translates it, the Christ, the anointed one. We have found the Messiah. Now, Andrew is talking to his brother, and they're not debating anything. It's not a complicated theology. He's not trying to convince his brother. There's, there's no lengthy explanation. There's no involved discussion. He just like. This is the Messiah. This is he, brother. He brought him to Jesus. So Peter comes to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas. Now Peter is the only apostle that we have an ancient description of. 
From the second century, 180, Polycarp writes and says that Peter was a mountain of a man. So I think, you know, fullback uh, football. He's a really big guy. He's a, a commercial fisherman, and he's powerfully built. And he walks up to Jesus, and Jesus said, you've been called Simon. Now, and it's translated, he says here, stone. It's the Greek form is Petros, which is a rock. So Peter is going to be called Rocky. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. Now I want you to notice that because Andrew is only mentioned two other times in the gospel. And in both of those other occasions, he also is bringing people to Jesus. He is the apostle who brought people to Jesus. In John chapter 6, they're in this deserted area near Bethsaida. You know the story. And they've been there all day and there were several thousand people. And it's late and Jesus said, oh, we have a bunch of people here and they need to be fed. And the disciples said, we can't feed them. We don't have enough. Jesus said, give them what you have. And Andrew, same guy here that brought his brother, went and found the boy who had a lunch of bread and fish and brought him to Jesus. Pattern? Yes. Because the third time in John chapter 12, it says some Greeks came looking for Jesus. They're coming a long way. And they walk up to Philip and say, we, sir, we would see Jesus. And Philip took them to Andrew. They told Andrew, and Andrew took them to Jesus. Wouldn't you like to be known for that in heaven? That you were the person that brought people to Jesus? That's what Andrew is known as, the apostle who brought people to Jesus. We can be that. When Jesus looked at him, he said, and you are Simon. Now, the word Simon is probably Simon, a shortened version. And it literally means hear one who hears. But it's not a positive thing like it sounds like in English. This is someone who listens too much to what people says, will say about you. In other words, Peter was guilty of being overly concerned about what people said of him. There's a proverb that Solomon wrote, 29, 25. The fear of man, being too concerned about what people think about you, the fear of man is the snare. It'll stumble your feet. But he who trusts in the Lord is safe. Trust in what God says about you, not what other people say. And so, Simon, I'm changing your name. You were easily moved by people's opinion. I'm going to call you the rock. You are going to become the foundation stone and anchor. A steadying force. You were wishy-washy. You were all over the place. But now you're going to be strong. God changes us when we surrender to him. Today on Grow in Grace, Pastor Ed Ray is finishing up John chapter 1. Here he is with the rest of our message. Verse 43, the following day, the next day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, which is north, a long distance, about 70 miles. That's a long walk. 
So he's down around the Dead Sea, and he's going all the way up to the Sea of Galilee, Jordan River in between, runs all the way down, went up the side of the Jordan River, and as he went, he found Philip. And he said to him two words, follow me. But notice that Jesus found Philip. Philip wasn't looking for Jesus. Can I suggest to you that you weren't looking for Jesus either? He found you. In fact, he searched you down. In Romans chapter 3, 11, there is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. So none of us were really looking for God. And I know I sure wasn't the night I came to an encounter with him. Come and see. Follow me. It's simple. Just follow me. And as you walk with me, you'll understand more and more. 44. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Beth is house. Bethsaida is fish. This little village is called the house of fish because fishermen live there. It is the home of Andrew and Peter, two brothers who were in the fishing, commercial fishing business, and John and his brother James. They were the sons of Zebedee, and they were in the fishing business too. It's also the home of where the writer is from, John, the gospel writer. Verse 45, and Philip found Nathanael. So here's our fifth disciple. And he said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in law and also in the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, got that right? Son of Joseph, not quite right. He was the son of God. Joseph was his adopted father. So Philip didn't have his theology correct, which is fine. You see, God uses us even when we're brand new Christians. Over and over again, as I've watched people get saved and then bring others, and they'll tell them about who Jesus is, and they won't get it perfect but it doesn't have to be perfect. Just come and see, and then Jesus corrects our theology, and pretty soon we, we see where all the rough edges are, and God begins to smooth us. So he said, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Nathaniel, the one who heard this, is prejudiced. He has a prejudice against people who live in this village. And he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, two things could be going on there. Nathaniel knew that the Messiah was supposed to come from Bethlehem and not Nazareth. Maybe that's what's going on. But more likely, Nazareth was a Greek town. It, it was a very tiny village. It only had about 100 families in it, archaeologists tell us. And it was only about seven miles from a Roman city that was being built at the time. And so all the workers who worked on this Roman city, Sophos it was called, seven miles away, lived there. And it was a wild town. It was the Las Vegas of the first century. So he said, can anything good come out of Mentone? Oh, wait a minute. That's where I live. <laughs> Philip said, come and see. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? 
You come and see. I like that answer. In fact, I think it's one that we should share with other people. Just say, why don't you come to church with me? In fact, the statistics are the majority of people that get saved in a church service were asked by someone else to come. That's not difficult. You don't have to be an expert in theology or apologetics, how to answer questions about theology. Just say, come with me to church. Pastor's a little weird, but it's a nice church. Verse 47. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no guile. Do you see the pattern? Every time that someone is brought to Jesus, he looks at their heart. He reads hearts like you and I read a newspaper. He sees exactly who they are. And he knew this man. He said, behold, an Israelite, a Jew, in whom there is no guile, no deceit. Why did he say that? It's an interesting story. You'll remember that the first Jew was Jacob, Jacob. His name means deceitful. He was the heel catcher. And the Greek word for deception is the same as Jacob, the Jew. Now, God would change his name to Israel, which means ruled by God. But there is a lot of guile or deception in this Jacob, but not in this man, Nathaniel. And Nathaniel said to Jesus, how do you know me? I just walked up to you. But Jesus said, before Philip calls you, I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you under a fig tree. What's up with that? Jews studied the Old Testament sitting underneath a fig tree because the fig tree is the symbol of the country, the nation of Israel. So he was studying the Old Testament, and I, I think we can discover from the story exactly where he was studying in the Old Testament. So Nathaniel is identified by Jesus as being under a fig tree. Now, Nathaniel said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, he places faith in Jesus when Jesus answered by saying, I saw you under a fig tree. And Jesus asks him that in verse 50. Because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree. Do you believe? Well, I'm glad you believe. But do you believe because I gave you a sign that I saw what you were doing under that fig tree? You were studying the Bible. You're going to see a lot greater signs than that. In fact, he said, verse 51, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. What? Jesus is letting Nathaniel know what part of the Old Testament he was studying under the fig tree. And if you go to Genesis chapter 28, it's the story of Jacob, the one who had guile, who had deception, who is running from his brother. His brother wants to kill him, Esau. 
And Jacob is running across over to Israel to get to his family, the rest of his family, to be saved from his own brother. And he's exhausted. And he gets to a place that he would later call Bethel, the house of El, the house of God. And he gets to this place, and it's very rocky. It's a very rock-filled place. And he falls down and goes to sleep because he's exhausted. And he puts his head on a rock for a pillow. So it's kind of like living in Mentone. There's rocks everywhere, right? (laughs) Sorry, Mentone, that's twice. And so he's sleeping, and he has a dream. And the dream is of a ladder. Here, I'll read it to you. This is Genesis 28, 12. And then he, Jacob, dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, coming down from heaven coming down from heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it angels going up and down on a ladder what's that got to do with what Jesus is saying Jesus is saying I'm the ladder I'm the way I am the stairway to heaven not the way Led Zeppelin meant it but if you're a guitar player that's the first song you have to learn if you're going to be a rock guitar player stairway to heaven but that's where Led Zeppelin got the idea from Genesis 28. So you see what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel. You're trying to understand the scripture. Let me explain it to you. I'm the ladder. And the angels you saw going up and down were on me. And you need the ladder to get to heaven. Follow me and you will get to heaven. He has introduced Nathaniel to this whole big subject of eternity. Where will you spend eternity? Now, to kind of bring it all together here at the end, in Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first in your life God, what he wants for you. If you're here looking for something, Maybe you're here looking for a a date, a girlfriend, a boyfriend. Maybe you're here looking for healing. Maybe you're here because you have a financial need. Seek first God's kingdom in your life, and everything else will be added to you. He'll take care of all the details. That's what's going on in these stories. Seek him, Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with your soul. Jeremiah 29, verse 12. This is God saying, come, come. Then you will call upon me, Jesus, just say his name. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. God's word to you. God says, I'll listen if you seek me. I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's God's invitation. The importance of seeking and the great privilege that you and I have of leading others to what we've found. You're listening to Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. You'll find us online at thepackinghouse.org. And that's a great place to go and hear this program again 
and find more information about the Packing House Christian Fellowship. That's thepackinghouse.org. You can also call and ask for a CD copy at 844-77-GRACE. You know, it takes a team to bring you Grow in Grace, and we look to our listeners to help make all this possible. If you'd like to make a contribution, you can call 844-77-GRACE. And as you do, be sure to request our special offer available for a gift of any amount. It's a book written by Chuck Smith titled, Why Grace Changes Everything. You'll discover the difference grace will make for you. It transforms our lives into something beautiful. Read all about it in this Christian classic. And we'll send it your way when you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount. You can reach us again at 844-77-GRACE. Again, that's 844-77-GRACE. You know, and even if you're not in a position to be able to give, we still want to hear from you. Your email would be a great encouragement to Pastor Ed. This lets us know where Grow in Grace is having an impact by God's grace. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us for the next Grow in Grace when Pastor Ed Ray will pick up where we left off in the Gospel of John. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love.